Oh, hey, everybody. Before we jump into this episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast, I want to give you guys a sweet offer. 15% off any purchase on naturalstacks.com. Use the code word MAC15, as in Mystic Mac, as in Shawnee Mac, as in moi, M-A-C-1-5. Use that code and you get 15% off any purchase on Natural Stacks. But don't wait. There are only 20 of these codes available. While I'm at it, I'll tell you about two supplements that I really love. Number one, duh, Siltep. It's my favorite. I've used Alpha Brains and Racetams and all sorts of cognitive enhancers and nootropics and modafinils and all sorts of stuff. And Siltep is by far my favorite, hands down. One of the other supplements that I've been really loving lately is the Mycoimmune. And the Mycoimmune is a really effective way to boost your immune system. Everybody in my family is sick. You probably detect a little bit of nasally nasal from me. Well, this is as bad as it's gotten. Everybody in my house has a cold, not me. So again, use MAC15, M-A-C-15 for 15% off your purchase, but go do it now. Don't wait. There's only 20 codes. On to the episode. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's the OPP. I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur, a blogger, a speaker, a biohacker, and it's my privilege to bring to you the leading experts in the field of performance. So let's dig right in. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. As always, guys, please share this, review it, give, tell, us, tell us that you love it, tell your friends. It is, it is my aim, it is our aim to just give you the best content week in and week out. And if, uh, if you dig it, let us know. Send me an email personally, sean at naturalstacks.com, S-E-A-N, and let me know, let me know what you're thinking. Uh, today's guest is Greg Hammond, and he is the marketing guy for Concept2. And, and for those of you who have been paying attention, uh, you know that we're giving away a Concept2 rower at the end of the month, and we've paired it with a heart rate monitor that we really love. And, you know, we, we decided to go right to the source. So we're going to talk wide ranging from high intensity interval training to why the rower kicks ass to how the heck you become a, uh, a marketing guy for fitness equipment company. Um, they're a small company out of Vermont and uh, we just have a lot of respect for him. So we're, we're happy to have you here today, Greg. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Thanks. That was a great, great intro. <laughs> thanks. So let's start with, let's just give us like the short story as to how you got involved with concept two. how, what's, what's the, you just told me a minute ago that the, that the company is small, um, small in personnel, but big in scope. And I just want to hear kind of like, tell me the concept two story. Yeah. Um, it's really a great thing because it's a, it's still a family owned business. It's owned by the Dreisagacker brothers, uh, and their wives. Um, they're both, there's actually two Olympians out of the four, they're in rowing. They started in 76 with uh, making carbon fiber racing oars. And then being from the Northeast, they needed to train for on-water rowing and they needed a, a machine to train on. So they, they built one. It was essentially, if anyone goes on the website and looks on the history, it looked like a bicycle nailed to the barn floor. And uh, it went from model A to B to C to D. And now we're up to you know D's and E's now. Um, 
And but we are. It's a global scale. We sell our oars and our rowing machines and our skiers and our bikes literally all over the world. But there's about 50 of us here in Vermont. That's uh, headquarters. So. Nice. And how long have you how long have you been involved? I've been here 21 years and I'm still one of the new guys. Nobody ever <laughs> tends to leave once they've been here. So nice. What 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 about what about the work that you what do you love about what you do? Oh, it's um, we're surrounded by health conscious uh, people uh, who really believe in quality products, um, a way of life. I mean, we're in Vermont. It's probably not the most advantageous state to be in as far as getting things out globally, but we love it here. Um, and my job is great because I'm literally friends with probably 99% of everybody I work with. We're just similar type people. Either we enjoy exercise or we enjoy human performance or, um, you know, people just deciding to change their life for the better. And those are the people that we work with. So it's, it's a very enjoyable job. How are you, uh, are you a CrossFit guy or, or how do you, how do you like to get your sweat? <laughs> it's these days I've, you know, I've been an athlete my, my whole life. I was an endurance guy through high school and college, Nordic skiing and, um, and cross country running, but also had a rugby addiction. So, uh, <laughs> I would go from being skinny and an endurance guy to hitting the weight room, playing a season of rugby, getting beat up, lean out, do that sort of thing. Um, and then back around 2000, Six or seven, I, they needed somebody who had uh, prior military service to teach rowing at Navy SEAL Bud School in Coronado um, for something called CrossFit, which we knew nothing about at the time. We just, you know, they said, is there somebody there that can come and help us with our rowing? And I've always wanted to see, I mean, who's going to say no to that? So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go out. So I went out there. I taught rowing technique at a level one, which I didn't know at the time was a level one a CrossFit seminar for the um, Navy SEALs candidates going through bud school. And, um, and that, that's kind of changed everything for me. No, nobody was doing it in Vermont. Vermont was the last state, I think second to Wyoming to get a CrossFit affiliate. Huh. So I came home, um, uh, to go back a little bit. So I was doing all the endurance stuff and, um, they had gymnastics ring for ring muscle ups. Like you see the gymnasts do. And they said, do you want to try it? And I was, cocky athlete. I'm like, Oh yeah, I got this all day. Couldn't do one. Um, got my butt kicked on a CrossFit workout that involved rowing. It was just had my tail between my legs and I came home and, and basically started trying to teach myself how to do it, do CrossFit. And I still do it, uh, about four to five times a week. Um, and then on the off days, I, I use our products here at work. I'm surrounded by concept two equipment all the time. So it's around. Yeah. I got to imagine like every time you walk by a bike or a rower, you're like, man, I'll just jump out. I'll just, I'll just get a couple, just get a couple reps in. Is that you, man? Is that you, Greg? Well, certain times of the year we have a, the holiday challenge, which is max meters between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we literally, um, like we'll drag a skier in our cubicle or a bike. And <laughs> there's a little, it's really, you have a choice. You either do 100,000 or 200,000 meters, but within concept two, there's always this bragging rights to see who gets the most meters so yeah there's a lot of that every time you walk by pull the skier handle a couple times pull the rower handle a couple times you know just to get it on your logbook so it counts yeah. who won who won this year um i got over two hundred thousand and didn't even make the top five i think there's a guy here that did over 300 and something thousand so the other <laughs> nice thing at concept too that 
nobody gives you crap for working out. So, <laughs> so it's, you know, there, I won't mention any names, but there are people here that you see them in the workout room more than you see them at their desk. So. <laughs> uh, I, I, I see that. I can see that as a, uh, as maybe you'd think a little, little job security, like, Oh, did tell, did, I'm just, I'm just testing. You guys don't, don't bug me. I'll, I'll ship, I'll ship the orders later. I'm just going to get my, just going to get a quick sweat. Um, well, the, uh, it comes from the top too. the, the founders are incredibly fit people. Um, and they, they work out like, I don't, the two brothers, I don't think they've missed a day of working out in their life and they're in their sixties. Um, and it used to be, you would be trying to get your work done. And the owners of the company would say, come on, let's go. We're going to go for a run or come on, let's go. We're going to go for a workout. And you had to tell your boss that you couldn't go work out with them because you actually had to do work. So it was, uh, it was, it was awkward. Dude, that's awesome. I love that culture. And that, and that, that's kind of tells, tells the whole story. I mean, like the, you guys mean it, you're involved in it, you're committed to it, you know, and, and just even spending just a little time looking through your personal Instagram to see all of the athletes that use your guys' equipment. Uh, it must be just like a little shot of dopamine every time you see, you know, uh, uh, you know, Rich Froning or somebody, you know, using the rower or the bike, you know, like, um, I'm curious. So, you know, I've, I, me personally, I'm not, I'm not a CrossFit guy. Um, I, I played team sports growing up and I, I do jujitsu and work out at home. Um, but as I was looking at sort of the different rowers available, just doing, just doing my homework a little bit. Um, yours is obviously everywhere that I looked, it's like your guys is, is, is top of the line. It's, it's the highest rated. It's, uh, it's, it's got the fewest cons in the pro con list. Um, can you tell me from, cause we're going to give one of these things away to somebody that some lucky listener, can you tell me what distinguishes the concept two rower from some of the other top line rowers that are available? Yeah, well, we've been lucky. I mean, we've been the top for 40 years and a lot of it is its durability. That's what people like the most. Like I think actually uh, found Ben on Instagram, uh, because he posted a picture and it was like this mint condition model C, which is now, you know, 20 something years old. And it's, it's nothing to see a concept too. That's 20 years old and looks like it's brand new because we just build things the way things should be built. Um, so durability, I would say would be number one. And that's also something that I care about when I buy stuff. And then after that, over the years, our technology, as far as our monitors, it's so accurate. We have people not making Olympic teams by hundreds of seconds on our monitors. We take it very, very seriously, the accuracy of our electronics. And it's really the, the part we, we hold most dear is the, um, is the technology side of it. Um, luckily, I don't have to do anything with that. I just I trust the engineers that, that do that. For me, it's more about the, you know, I know that when I get on it, if I do 30 minutes and today I go this far and tomorrow I go further then at the same, you know, energy output, I'm getting more fit. And that's one of the nice things that if you use our equipment, you cannot not get fit. That's the thing, but it's about, you just have to use it. So, um, there are other, you know, rowing machines out there. Um, you know, we've kind of cornered the market on the, on the ski erg and then now the new biker, which is different than a normal bike. But as far as rowing machines go, it's, it's really just us. And we don't take that lightly. We've never rested on that. It's all, we're always trying to make it, make it better. Yeah. Do you, is there a, is there a specific advantage for grip strength 
athletes, people that are that are holding on to stuff to use your guys' equipment? Well, it's um I mean, there might be. We've never done a study on or anything like that, but we've always we look at who likes our stuff and who has a natural kind of like they just drawn to it. Yeah. And um I actually raced a little bit of motocross, so there's a lot of like uh, and maybe it's cuz I've gone after that market a little bit like that. There's a lot of um action sports athletes where grip is very very important that really kind of go towards our machines, but it's also because of the the biomechanics, the fact that they're using their upper traps and their upper arms and the grip strength along with being completely gassed doing cardio at the same time. I think it's a nice fit with the uh, jujitsu and stuff. And those guys where grip strength is really important. Uh, the skier has always been a bigger one. We used to work with BJ Penn and his family. And, you know, we still have in the uh, mixed martial arts world, the skier is probably still maybe a little bit more popular than the rower. Although the rower has been around in boxing since, you know, in, in combat sports since the probably, you know, 85, 86, you know, those guys were, and they were doing round simulation. So they were doing, you know, three minute rounds with one minute rest. And they're trying to see how many meters they could get complete for whether they're doing a three round or a five round, you know, exhibition or whatever. So fascinating. yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say grip strength is the primary thing. It's still always going to be rowing is primarily quads. And so you can never get away without having strong quads in any sport. And so I think that's why it's the rowers kind of gone into every sport. It's not just rowing and it's not just like one or two things. So when you, that's the, is there, are there pictures of like Tyson on a concept too? And you know, like I just think back to 85, like who was in their heyday? It wasn't though back then too. We, people might've noticed too, that we don't really market, like we're not in magazines and we don't uh, notice that you'll never, you'll never see an infomercial. You'll never see a model on our equipment that isn't actually an athlete. Um, (laughs) Uh, we will never spray sweat on an athlete for a picture. <laughs> um, that's just not our deal. So um, a lot of the boxers and things like that and the guys back in the day, um, we would find out about them. They would call up to get something or buy it, and we would just recognize the name and say, oh, that's what kind of gym is that? And they're like, oh, we're primarily boxing or, or whatever. Um, you know, we do have a lot of athletes on our equipment and pictures we can't always use a lot of them but like you know we've been involved with like the um, the ufc and the ultimate fighter show and um you know we have uh, like hugh jackman's always posting pictures of him on his rowing machine that's not something we did he just does it on his own As a matter of fact we've tried to contact him because we like the guy and we can't even get in touch with him but there's a <laughs> lot of celebrities and athletes that like our stuff i think primarily because it is a really good strength to weight ratio training tool so if you want to look good like an actor or model or you're in a sport with a weight class or something like that it really lends itself well to those types of things dig dig, uh, explain that a little bit more because i think that that's you know the the technical aspect of why why the rowing motion is so effective for fitness and and you know i prefer high intensity interval training i I, I hate running. I, I played soccer in college and I played semi-pro and I still, I just hate running. It's not, it's not fun for me. It's not meditative for me. It's a pain in my ass. So when I work out, I want to work out really hard and I want to get tired and sweaty and then I want to be done with it. Can you, yeah. you know, that, that strength to weight ratio, 
the you know the sort of beautification of the body why why is rowing such a key key workout well that's another thing why the rower is so popular on any of our equipment because you you get your resistance by how much you either you know drive with the legs and pull the handles on the rower or pull down the handles on the skier it sucks air in and that's what causes your resistance so it lends itself well to both high intensity interval training or long slow distance and there's very few pieces of equipment that are good at at both uh in doing that so i mean we didn't go to crossfit crossfit was already using our our equipment because you couldn't you can wreck an elite athlete if you said i want you to get as many meters as you can in a minute a lot of these guys will be throwing up in a minute but you can also take an athlete and say listen i want you to row a marathon forty-two thousand meters plus and you could sit on it and you would treat it like you were running a marathon you would just pace yourself so it's very it's very good um, as far as molding to what you need it to do for your sport. Um, but the rowing motion itself is, and I tell people that anytime you're looking for a piece of equipment, or even in life, you want to get as many um, changes in body angle. So you you want your knees to bend, you want your hips to move, you want your arms to move, um, and you know you you want to work as a unit. It's just um, you know. You, a lot of the pieces of equipment that are out there, and I guess we make a bike, but when you're on a bike, it's primarily your legs and your hip is always kind of, it's never open. Um, you know, there's just certain things that don't happen, but with a rowing machine, you know, you're going from a, a, a compact position where your knees at 90 degrees, you're leaning forward, your scapulas are down, your arms are straight. And then there's this wave of contraction that goes halves, quads, open the hips, slight layback, tight core, hands in, you're actually going through this wave of contraction that literally goes from your ankles to your shoulders. And there's just nothing else that really does that. And it will do it every stroke for as long as you want to go. Yeah. Um, you know, so, and then there's the whole, when you look at aesthetics, why people like it is a quick, yes, it's very good about burning body fat and all that stuff, but you're basically doing a mini crunch on every stroke, which isn't, doesn't seem like much until you do it for 30 minutes and you realize, oh my God, that's, you know, a thousand mini crunches that you're doing on every stroke, you know? So the, um, if you just row and don't care about the rest of it, the good stuff will happen. Yeah. You don't have to think about it. It just happens. Um, it is a hip opening, you know, which we've learned in power sports is very important. You need that power from your hips. And then the skier, again, we made it so that you're pulling down, you're squatting and you're actually closing the hips and it's an opening and closing of the hips, which I think is is one of the reasons why we do so well in our equipment. So yeah, I mean, is it easy to fall out of form and reach too far or not engage? You know, like is that you know based on your experience? Is there of course there's proper form for it, yeah. but is there any no. is is there any risk of 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 injury if you're reaching too far or pulling back too hard? You know, like where where do people get hung up in that in that rowing motion? Yeah, when you when you search the internet, everyone says yeah, it used to be really bad. It's gotten a lot better. And they're like, oh, you know, rowing can be bad for your back and this and that, and it's kind of kind of bunked for the most part. I mean, yes, you need decent technique, but if bad technique really hurt everybody, if you looked on Instagram and on on and online, almost everybody rows like crap, and very few <laughs> people hurt themselves. So, um, but even if you row with less than perfect technique. You're going to get your sweat on. You're going to increase your heart rate. You're going to have to make muscular contractions just to do the movement. So it will work with bad technique. 
And you should always strive to have good technique and you'll be more efficient with good technique. Um, but it's one of the problems that that I have um, here is that um, some people harp on it so much that it scares people away from rowing. Oh. I would rather have somebody start rowing and say, you know what, this is good. I'm getting good results. I'm going to go online. I'm going to try to find some help on how to improve my technique. And they're going to go from there and they're going to improve their technique. Now, if somebody was going to try to make um, a team and wanted to row on the water, rowing on the water is very technical because you'll end up swimming every five minutes if you don't have good technique. The nice thing about a rowing machine, you don't get a lot of the only wet you get is from sweat. You're not going to you're not going to flip the boat. You're not going to do any of that stuff. So, um, yes, good technique is very important. But if you don't have a pre-existing condition or, you know, shoulder back injuries and stuff like that, you can get away with you know, not perfect technique in hopes that you'll gain better technique as you start to row and learn what you're doing and that sort of thing. Yeah. You'll kind of learn on your own what's working and what's not working. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing is I'd rather have somebody, if, if someone's overweight or, or somebody wants to improve their life and they say, well, I'm not going to row until I learn all this technique on the internet. Yeah. I'll be like, you know, put the computer down, sit down, let's start <laughs> And then we'll work on the technique, you know, we'll get that. So sounds yeah. like, uh, that sounds like concept to company culture, <laughs> right? Like we have the expertise, we have the Olympians, you know, we can dial in technique to the point where we would bore you to death with how nitpicky we can be. Um, but that's not for everybody. You know, it's, um, that's why when I talk to a, an athlete and I say athlete could be anybody from somebody working out in their basement to someone trying to make an Olympic team. And they come to you and say, this is, these are the changes I want to make in my life or my body or my performance. Then we will dictate the direction we go into as far as down that path and what they need and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, so it's the Olympics, right? Uh, yep. Tell me about, tell me some cool stories about uh, any athletes that, you know, use the concept to, or, or, or success stories. Are, are there any Olympians? Of course there are. Um, that, that train that, you know, that train really, really regularly with, uh, with the, with your guys' equipment. Well, yeah, of course, all, every on water rower in the Olympics trains and has to train hours and hours on our rowing machine. Uh, this being the winter Olympics, um, I would say a good portion of all the biathletes and Nordic skiers use our skiered. Um, the owner's daughter is competing right now in biathlon, uh, Emily Dreisigacker, their other daughter, Hannah Dreisigacker, competed, I believe, in Sochi. Uh, uh, we're very closely connected to Nordic skiing. Uh, of course, being here in Vermont, um, we actually are 20 minutes from a, one of the best Nordic ski centers in the U.S. that has a biathlon range. Um, most of us either skied or coached or did something in Nordic skiing. And, um, and that's really how the ski erg was invented was because we – wanted a way to get away from roller skiing, which we do in the summertime here because it's dangerous and traffic. So we're, you know, we're staring at the rowing machine going, you know, there's got to be a way we can take this technology and make something that's going to help us with our skiing. And through that came what was the skier one, which we then improved on to what we call the skier two, which is the black skier that everyone sees now. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's some over there now as far as for warmups with athletes, but, um, yeah, actually, one of the women that just won gold, she's from Germany. She trains on it, and they post pictures and stuff. But, um, yeah, the skiers, just just like the rower, we have more people that use the rower that aren't 
on water rowers, we have far more people that use the skier for fitness than actually ski. But that's just based on, you know, we pick the two most obscure sports probably out there to 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 go towards. Um, but the nice thing is, is that so a lot of people have started on the rowing machine or started with the skier and go, you know what, I've got all this fitness on this machine. I should go out and try the sport, which is really what we want people to do is to get outside and and do this stuff too. So, Oh, that's cool. So you, you actually know of people who, who got on the skier long enough and thought, you know what, I'm going to go actually out, go outside and go ski. Oh yeah. It's uh there's, and a lot of them are like around here in the Boston area and stuff. They'll drive up to Vermont to come and ski. And this one guy actually messaged me and he said, uh, what did he say? He's like, Oh, I'm going to be up in Crassbury is the Nordic center that's near us. I mean, I knew him as a CrossFitter and he's like, I'm going up to go skiing. And I thought that was the coolest thing is like he had been used the skier. He liked it. And so he wanted to try it on snow. Um, a lot of the CrossFit or the people who train on the rowing machine think that they want to row on the water. And then we put them on the water and um, they realize quickly that it's much harder to row on the water than it is a rowing machine on there. So, yeah, um, yeah, especially in the right, you know, you can get very stable shells, but there are some that are quite, quite tippy. Yeah. I can, so. I can just imagine some like, you know, 188 pound, 4% body fat beast master who's been rowing for years and decides to jump out of the water and, and try his hand and like, you know, in a rowing, in a, in a, in actual water row. I can, I can imagine that'd be interesting. We, we live that. So, um, I'm friends with Matt Frazier, who's won the CrossFit games the last couple of years. He's from Vermont and he's recently moved to Tennessee, but you know, in the CrossFit world, they never know what they're going to have to do. They have to be ready for anything at the games and nobody knows what it is. And, you know, they threw a, you know, a, a real cycle cross at them this year. And so Matt comes to me and goes, Hey, can you teach me how to row in case they make us row at the CrossFit games? And I'm like, you know, dude, I don't think that's going to happen. It's not that easy. I don't think they're going to make these athletes do it and kind of blew them off. And then it, it got closer to the games. Like, no, really, I really want you to, cause there's lakes all around now where they have it in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. He goes, I just want to be ready just in case. So I'm like, okay, we packed them in the truck. We drove up, we're in the middle of nowhere um, on this place. And we, I brought one of the uh, Judy gear, who's one of the founders here and she was in the Olympics for rowing. So I got him an Olympic rower as a coach <laughs> And we got him a middle of the road racing shell um, and put him in the water. And he could, I mean, he was twitching. He was like, could barely keep it upright. And um, he kind of paddled around a little bit, came back to the dock. He goes, yep, there's no way they're going to put somebody in the boats. Um, so, but it, a lot of people, you know, they see it on the Olympics and it looks so fast and it looks so intriguing. Um, but people don't realize the skill it takes to go that fast in a boat that's literally about as wide as your backside. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's impressive. Um, I'm not an on-water rower. I will we'll go out occasionally. Um, but, uh, it's much harder than it looks. Yeah. It looks hard. It looks really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. So, I mean, you're, you're pretty integrated into the, obviously, you know, friends with, uh, friends with Matt Frazier and, and integrated and just, you know, a minute on your Instagram and I get a sense of sort of the culture that you live in. And I, I, and we're a supplement company, right? And, and performance is, is what we're about. What, what do those guys besides the creatine besides the stuff, you know, like what, what are, do you have any idea how they supplement? Do you have any idea what they take performance? You know, is, is there a fine line? Do any of them, do any of them, t are they on steroids? Is any, do any of them test? Is it, I'm super curious about it cause I'm so ignorant to it. 
Right. No, and you know, and I could be the most naive person in the world, but my friends that are in the sports that I've known forever, it would crush me to find out if they were. Although you go on, you know, there's all the haters that say, oh, everyone does this and that. But when they see the work, like I do see the work they put in and what they put into their nutrition. And, you know, they, they're all, a lot of my sponsors with, you know, paleo meal companies and, you know, the best of the best. And these days it's very rare to find somebody who has a job, you know, they, they, their job is training. So, you know, I look at them and what they do and in Matt's background, he trained with the Olympics for years. So, I mean, here's a guy that spent part of his life, at, you know, at the Olympic training facility with the best athletes. And he got really good at Olympic lifting. And to see him switch over to this with perfect diet and eight hours to train and his work ethic, which is a second to none. Um, I think it, I would say that, you know, it's it's good, clean food. It's a lot of protein and it's a lot of hours of technique and gym work and stuff like that. Now there's also hundreds of athletes that are regional level and above. And, you know, I might know 10% of them. So, I mean, to say that it's completely clean, I mean, who knows, there's a lot of money in the sport now. And I think that might corrupt it. But when I first started going to the games, it was literally at Dave Castro's ranch and there was no real prizes and, you know, you did it because you loved it and stuff, but it's tough when money gets into any sport, you know, we, we see it all the time, but, um, you know, I think I'm a very good judge of character and my, my close friends that I know in the sport, I would just be absolutely shocked if there was anything other than hard, hard work and clean eating. And I mean, I wouldn't want their life. It's, it's literally, I could not do the hours they do in the gym. You know? So. Yeah. I watched the Netflix, uh, documentary about it and floored, I mean, inspired, impressed, and just absolutely just taken aback at the level of the level of time and commitment. Um, yeah. You know, I'm curious, you know, cause you and I were talking before we went on about, um, about Siltep and we were talking about how you had never really messed with, you know, nootropics and cognitive enhancers and focusing, you know, mental vitamins, basically brain, brain vitamins. And I got to imagine that, that, that a large group of them, just like any, any sport are taking, you know, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of supplements with fish oil or magnesium or whatever. And I'm just, I, I'd, I'd just be really curious to figure out like what these guys, in addition to getting their macros yeah. dialed, every ounce of, of, of food is, is measured and, and, and clean and good. But I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like, do, do they, do they take vitamins? Like as you, as far as you know? Yeah. I would say most of them are geared on recovery because of the uh, hours that they, so I think fish oil is a staple and that's been a staple of, you know, of CrossFit and, and high intensity training forever. It's, you know, I remember when I first started the the funny joke was, you know, if you can't fix it with, with squats or fish oil, you're probably going to die. You know, <laughs> you know, it's squats and fish oil. That's, you know, you can live life just by those two things. And, um, you know, so I would think the fish oil and the recovery, you know, like the magnesium stuff, um, you know, the science of sleep. I mean, in the past, it used to be a badge of honor to say, I work out and never sleep. I don't need to sleep. I'm just that. But thank God that changed because I'm someone who needs at least eight hours of sleep and, you know, in recovery. And I'm only training maybe an hour a day, you know, and these guys are training, you know, six to eight hours a day. So um, there's that. But they also do a lot of the um, like, you know, the Norma Tech pants, you know, the, the recovery stuff that, you know, you know, voodoo flossing and mobility. And yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's unreal. I mean, it, and that's why I said like way back when 
I'm old enough to be a master's. I'm like, oh man, it'd be fun to make the game someday as a master's. And then I see what these masters are putting in for hours. And I'm like, I can't do it. I couldn't hold a job and, and do that training. And, and it's maybe it's, it's a dream anyways, because I don't even know if I had the physical abilities to ever do it much less, much less the rest of it. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I, I can only see from your shoulders up, but based on the, the traps I see, I'm sure you'd be able to get into shape pretty good, man. Don't, don't sell yourself well, short, Greg. I, I, I do tell people that, you know, if I get out of shape, I'll probably lose my job because, you know, you got to be able to sell your equipment. So if I want to be here for another, you know, 10 to 15 years, I got to look like, uh, like I know what I'm talking about. Like <laughs> next week I'll be at the Arnold, the Arnold trade show. I'll probably be the smallest guy at the Arnold trade show, except for maybe the some of the Taekwondo guys. So to be honest, in the mornings after my row skier bike, I have been known to throw down a couple of arm curls just in case. So I, is that your, is that your routine? Is that your, is that your sort of daily workout is, is row or skier bike? Uh, in the mornings, um, you know, I just, I'm always trying different things. So nor- it, normally it's was all high intensity interval training. Um, and I have, I have, Another nice part of my job is I get to talk to some of the best trainers in the world um, about different things. And I have this great trainer, Peter Park, who's out of Santa Barbara, California, who just put out this great book. Um, I think it's called Rebound, Rebounding. And I read it and he was saying it was interesting because I've never really talked to him about it. But he was saying that, you know, he loves high intensity interval training. It's great. But one of the things you lose when I came into doing all this stuff, I was an endurance guy and I would win every thing that involved anything out 20 minutes to an hour. I was the guy, as long as it wasn't really heavy. Well, then I got really good at lifting weights really quickly and heavy weights. And I lost the ability to just have a buddy call and say, Hey, we're going to do a three hour trail run. Like, well, wow, I can't do that. And so I was, he was saying about throwing back in. And I even hate to say, because one of the best things about doing high intensity interval training was throwing away my heart rate chest belt. Well, now I own one again. And in the mornings I do a moderate heart rate, um, either row, ski, bike for a minimum of half an hour to 45 minutes, steady state. Um, and then after work is when I do my high intensity um, stuff. And I've just been kind of seeing what changes happen in my body, putting that back in um, because I do really like, and as I get older, I do really like and respect the ability to go long and steady um, as well as be able to throw down and go intense for 10 to 15 minutes or whatever it takes. You know, I like to be able to play both games if I could. Oh. Yeah. Do you, how closely do you watch? I mean, um, as far as your heart rate, do you try to stay in like a fat burning zone or do you kind of know what range you're in? Well, what was suggested by his book is, uh, for me. So it, it's, um, and it, he was trained by Moffatone. So he's, he's kind of goes by the, I believe it's 180 minus your age. Right and stay there. And so I've been doing that. So for me, that's like, I, I try to keep it between like 132 and 142, um, and not, not start the timer until I'm in that zone. And then what I do is I track how many meters that I go and I've been plotting it so that I should be able to prove that it's working. If my heart rate stays the same and I'm going further in the same amount of time that I'm getting more fit. And that's at least that's uh, at least on that part of it. So down in my basement, I've got my whiteboard and the date and I do all that stuff on there. And then when it's CrossFit time, it's whatever we've got 
Jay Jenny, who programs for Champlain Valley CrossFit, where I go, he's a great programmer. And basically whatever he has on the board is what I do in the afternoon and, and just go hard as I can for the workout. And uh, he also programs strength as well. So is it nice to have somebody else choose your workout? Is that, is that? Oh, absolutely <laughs> love it. I and mean, that's really was one of the things too, is so when I first started doing CrossFit, I'm like, so I go to this website and they just tell me what to do and I don't pay them anything. And I'm like, this is great. You know, it's because I'd always done my own programming, my, you know, except for maybe when high school and in my in college, when I was running, my our coach would give you your running workouts. But um, that was one of the things that sold me the most is I can just do what it tells me to do. And I go as hard as I can and I'm done after I'm like, this is, this is great. And so yeah. that's what it was a big selling point for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get that. I, I, t- I totally get that. And, and on that note too, you know, I just want to remind everybody, all, all the listeners that are, that are high achieving, hard charging, looking for an edge, you know, our, our listeners are so sharp. They're so knowledgeable, the biohacking, um, element, the nutrition, the, the exercise, you know, we have tons of CrossFitters, um, and people are seriously clamoring to get their hands on this giveaway. And we've paired it just recently. Um, I don't know if you notice it, uh, but we're, we're pairing it with a heart rate monitor. So yeah. you're going to get the, you're going to get the rower and then you're going to get a polar H10 heart rate monitor, um, so that you can, you can, you can actually track and, um, you know, apply that 180 minus your age to find that, you know, that, that, that optimal, uh, heart rate, uh, range. Um, yeah. and, and while, while I'll just plug it while I'm here, while I'm here, um, go to naturalstacks.com slash concept two. And, uh, that's where you can enter to win. And every time that you enter, uh, you get your, or when you enter, you get your name in. And if you share, every time you share it, you're entered, uh, three more times into the contest. So, um, yeah, people are, I don't know if, I don't know if Ben's talked to you about it, but people are really stoked about it. Yeah. Well, I've, I've heard about it from a couple other people too. And it's, uh, it's a good fit. And, you know, being that I listen to a lot of the biohacking podcasts and this stuff, and, um, you know, I've heard of paleo FX and a lot of the things that natural stacks goes to, it's actually an interesting market that I might start looking into is maybe we'll start getting a couple of booths because it's nothing more fun than to talk to people who really care so much about their health, about your product, because, you know, you're seeing eye to eye and they're like, okay, you know, they already care so much about what they're putting into their body. You know, what's something else. And I don't know how many, if equipment companies go to those sort of things, but it might be a, a good fit, you know, do something like that. I, I think it totally would be because th- these guys, they're accountable. They're interested. They're engaged. Like they're knowledgeable. They do the research, you know, like, um, yeah, I, I would, I would encourage you to take a, take a look at it. You know, if you need to get, I would pick, uh, I would pick a warm weather destination for the, for the cold <laughs> Vermont winters. Cause we're up here in the Northwest and we are like yeah. smack dab in the middle of see the Seattle gray rain. Like this is it, man. We're, we're right. We're right in the middle of, of why Seattle's depressing. But that's just me. Yeah. Well, we're the same way. We don't see a lot of sun um, in the winter times. And, you know, I, it's funny because I'm even before I got into all this stuff, my family's always been big sauna people. And, um, I was in my sauna last night and it's funny for me, even besides the heat shock proteins and all that stuff that you get out of it, it's mental. I can literally close my eyes in my sauna and I can think of summer and it's a mental thing. It's this boost of like, it's just, you know, for 45 minutes, I can just take myself out of it. Um, you know, in there. So yeah, it's, um, 
it's being in Vermont is tough, but it's also nice with these trade shows, like doing stuff like that is it's my way that work pays for me to go and listen to other really smart people talk. Yeah. When I say other people, I should just say smart people talk because I just, <laughs> sit there with a, just sit there with a notepad. I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, I learned so much from listening to guys like yourself and other podcasts. And, um, you know, it's, it's great because work literally would be, you know, it's, it's all joined. If I had to go to this or had to go, if I went to one of those with the rowers, I would also use it to benefit myself and pay attention and listen to classes and stuff like that and take it back here. Yeah. I, I think that there, I think that, that nowadays people, there's so much good information out there that people are just informed. They just, in, in, in a minute, they can look up the rower. They can see, Oh, okay. This is not, this is not this, this is, this is the, the, the most elite piece of equipment that, that we can get. This is the best rower available. The, the same with their nutrition, the same with, you know, biohacking and heart rate monitors. People can figure that stuff out so quickly now that, um, you really gotta, you've got to be informed and you've got to be able to talk the talk because people are, are with it. And, and it, it honestly puts, it, it, it's a little bit of stress on me too, as a podcast host, cause I've got to know, I've got to know everything as well, because I've got to know as much as, as our most informed listener so that I can stay on top of it. And, and, and I'm, you're right. You know, um, uh, I, I need to go, I need to go do some, uh, maybe we'll meet, maybe we'll meet for paleo effects or go to <laughs> primal con or whatever and, and, and hang out and learn about, you know, biohacking stuff. Well, I will say too, like with the rowing and like the skier and our equipment and stuff like that, it's the good and bad that I see with the internet is, you know, if you do a search, a lot of times you'll get YouTube videos and the guy will say, I'm an expert at rowing and this is how I tell you to do it. There are more people that should not be on the internet than are uh, that are on it. I should, I said it weird, but there's, I would say go to concept two first. Um, and then some of the other good ones, uh, far as rowing goes, there's a, there's a website called dark horse rowing. He's really good. Shane farm with some great videos. Um, a, you can row Two group out of Minnesota. They're really good. Um, and then British rowing, any of the rowing federations are really good. Um, but then also too, if, if anybody ever has a question on that sort of thing, call concept Two. literally anybody who's going to answer the phone here uses our equipment and can help anybody, anybody who answers, we don't have a call center or anything like that. The person you talk to at concept two is down the hall from me right now. And they'll probably be in the workout room later this afternoon and you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's kind of an interesting point to make, right? Like the, the, the experts like yourself, like the people concept two, they do it right. They're about it. They, 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 they don't need to talk about it as much as, uh, you know, talk is cheap. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, quote unquote experts that, um, that want to be relevant and that are talking about the best way or the best stuff, or this is how I do it. But the people that show up and do the work and are experts by practice and just, you know, either a put out great content or B put out great equipment because they live it. It's part of their lifestyle. I think there's a big distinction there. It is. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right. It's, um, it's, yeah, you really got to watch what's watch what's out there. But the nice thing is, is that, at least with us is that we can be a filter for some people if they're not sure what they're seeing is the right thing. And, um, you know, a lot of people just don't know they can call and talk to people anymore because they think that everything's a call center or you're not going to get the right person. But I get it on Instagram a lot and I won't 
call anybody out, but I get people sending me pictures and videos in like wanting a pat on the back saying, Hey, look what I did. And you're just like, Oh, I don't know, man, that doesn't look that great, but <laughs> you try to be encouraging. Um, we've seen the, our equipment used in some really weird ways. Um, you know, not even what it was intended use would be. And you just, you know, it's tough to, they want you to be happy for them, and it's really hard to be sometimes. <laughs> Wait a minute. What do you, what, what, what do you mean? What, what are they using? <laughs> uh... there's, there's, uh, there's one person that just sent me a video, and they had, like, the rowers organized in a way where they're putting, like, a hand on each seat and their feet on each seat, and they were kind of, like, doing, like, a star motion with the monorails. I literally had to tell the guy, I'm like, you know, that thing makes a great rowing machine as well <laughs> as an ab machine. <laughs> and I hope he got my sarcasm because I'm like, that just looks like a great way to break your nose. It has nothing to do with fitness whatsoever. <laughs> um, and then we, we got people that they go, oh, I row, but I, I do a arm curl, bicep curl at the end of my rowing stroke. And they want you to be happy that they figure out this way to combine arm curls and rowing. And I said, well, here's a suggestion. How about you row harder with better technique and then get off and do some dumbbell curls because you're probably going to get a better stimulus than if you try to do bicep curls on a rowing machine. Right. Um, but, you, you know, you never want to hurt anybody's feelings and they're so happy about what they thought they had going for them and stuff. So I try to steer away from it when I can. <laughs> using using two rowing machines as a, as a skier on your feet and while you're doing uh, like shoulder press. We, uh, we had people used to skiers as golf trainers. We have, uh, you know, it's all kinds of weird stuff, you know, cause the skier itself, I mean, it is, it's two handles that come out of a machine with a, you know, with a cord on it. And there's a lot of other good machines that are out there that they can use for strength. Like cable machines are great. Um, to use a skier as a cable machine is not a great idea. Um, but yet in the gyms, we'll see people trying to do it right next to an actual cable machine. So it's kind of, <laughs> kind of hard sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got to just, you just got to be cool about it. Not, not make people feel silly, you know, just like, hey, do your thing, my, man. My, my philosophy is if somebody wants to exercise, no matter what it is, if someone's made the choice to exercise, I'll, I'll back it 100%. Totally. I'll give, I'll give my opinion. But um, I never want someone to be intimidated about working out, you know, even if they know nothing, um, if they're willing to get their sweat on and make a change in their life, I'm, I'm backing it. And if I see something that doesn't look right, I might say, hey, how about maybe trying this, you know, something like that. So, yeah, yeah. No, that's good, man. That's I, that's that's a, uh, you know, I can tell you're a classy guy, Greg. You know, you're not, you know, <laughs> you're not bossing anybody around. You're not making anybody feel small. You're just doing your thing. And you happen to be an expert in some stuff. And that's OK. The expert's tough. Yeah, I don't know. See, I've been doing it a long time. I'll say I'll say that. But I even look at some of, um, you know, 15 years ago, I was I was doing videos on some rowing technique and stuff that at the time was how we taught rowing. That I look back now and I'm like, you know, what? I probably wouldn't have taught it that way. Or there's been some changes or there's some things that you learn along the way. And it, that's that's the, another bad thing about the Internet is that as new ideas come and some better ones, idea, the old ones still stay there. And you never really know like where that was, you know, wh where was that technology or what were they thinking back then versus now? Um, just like some old coaches versus new coaches, some old coaches will live and die by what they were taught by their coach, as opposed to looking at new ideas and being accepting of them and saying, well, wait a second, this coach over here is new. 
who's half my age, has some good points. Maybe I'll put those in mind. People are really stuck on saying, I'm an expert. My way is the best way. They don't really look at what's out there, you know? Well, it begs the question, like based on what you know, based on what you know about technology and, and fitness and tracking and, and at the high level of, you know, you, your friends that are, that are I mean, the world-class where, what's the future of fitness? What, where, where are, where are things trending? And I won't hold you to it, but I'm super curious. Yeah. Like what, where, where's it going? It's so, it's so individualized. Like I, I, I look at that too. So there's, I like to separate it. So there's, there's human, human performance for a goal. I want to make the Olympics in X sport. So I'm going to do this. Like you look at Tour de France riders, they're amazing what they do. Huge cardiovascular, you know, just great at cycling but they have massive quads and their upper body is kind of a, a, in balance. And if you took them out of their sport and they're just, just, we're going to live a good life. And it wasn't had anything to do with, they're probably not, they, they developed themselves to an elite level in one direction. Um, me personally now, and I think it's because it's partially my age is it's like, what's really important. We all want to, we all want to move well. We want to be able to play and have fun as long as we can in our life. We want to have good mobility and not be sick. I mean, for me personally, I'm hoping that's the direction that fitness is going. Um, mental health, you know, mobility, you know, slowing down as much as we can the aging process so that at 80, we can still be playing the sports we love and things like that. And I do find now that, you know, there's sometimes that those lines they don't, they don't, uh, they don't work out. If you, if you pick one sport and only do that one sport, it might lead you down a path that goes away from the overall fitness and the longevity, but that's a personal choice. And I'll never, you know, if somebody says I'm going to be the best bench press guy in the world, I'm going to train that every day. And I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to lift a thousand pounds or whatever. That's great. I respect that 100%. Now, if someone said, Greg, do you think that I'll live a great life till I'm 80 and be mobile and, you know, and enjoy life. I'm like, well, maybe you should start throwing some other things in besides just that, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. So I respect it. But at my age now, I'm hoping that fitness is going better nutrition, better recovery. Um, so that, you know, when we're 80, everyone's saying, wow, he looks like he's 50. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. No, I think you're, I, mentally as well. Yeah. No, I, th I think you're, I think you're right. I think recovery is, uh, you know, just cause that's the arena that I work in with owning, you know, sensory deprivation tank centers, you know, we've got, you know, NFL quarterbacks and, you know, MLS cup winners that, that really don't have, don't have a recovery regimen that they follow. That's really effective for them. You know, like Netflix on the couch um, isn't a great recovery method and there's hyperbaric, you know, the access to hyperbaric chambers and there's cryotherapy. Um, and, and for the guys that come in and float with us and use sensory deprivation as a recovery mechanism, you know, to get the, the absorption of the magnesium sulfate, the Epsom salt to, you know, uh, flush your lymph and, and reduce swelling. Um, I think more tech, more focused and, and customized sort of bespoke recovery, you know, like, to know that your to know your own genetics and to know like you have a a predisposition for this or that, um, I think I, I I'm excited because I think that that's where it gets really technical. And I think when you when you look at you know I'm sure that I'm sure that Matt Fraser has um, you know teams of people or at least a couple of people that are concerned with with his 
not only his blood type, but the way that he works out and the way that he recovers and has a tendency to do this or that. But I think as, as performance increases and as fitness increases and the technology gets better, I think, I think custom recovery is, is, uh, is a cool, is a cool arena. What do you do besides? I agree a hundred percent. I think the, I think the body for me being my degrees in health science, I think the body muscles, bones, that's the easy part. Um, it's the DNA, it's the blood work, it's the inflammation markers to me blows me away. And this is where I started listening to all the podcasts. Cause I'm like, when I was going to school, I never had any of my professors talk about that. You know, it was like, it was, it, it didn't, it didn't happen, you know, and I think that's where the technology could go. I just hope that it's more affordable. And when you go to your doctor and say, I want to do blood work, not because I'm sick, but because I don't want to get sick. And yeah. they say, okay. And they don't charge you an arm and a leg. I hope it's going in that direction, but I'm not so sure it is anytime soon. Yeah, so. no, I, that's, that's an excellent point. I mean, uh, uh, just to, you mean stem cells. We did a podcast about stem cells a couple, uh, a couple of ep- episodes ago. Do you have any experience? Have you ever tried stem cell therapy? No, but, uh, you know, I've had enough injuries over the years that it's definitely piqued my interest, you know, so I, I can, I can make some introductions if you want. There, there are, there are places in the country. In fact, there's, there's a, there's a place in Utah with a guy, um, uh, uh, Archibald, oh man, I'm blanking on his first name. Darn it. Uh, Regan, Regan Archibald, who does uh, stem cells. Um, it's legal. It's above board. Um, you can either get them from, um, from yourself or you can get them from a donor or you can get them from, so like Roy, uh, co-founder of natural stacks, he's banking in a, in a cryo, he's cryo banking the umbilical cord and, and, uh, of, of, uh, the birth of his, of his child so that he can use this, those stem cells for not only the baby in the future in case you need to regrow a kidney or whatever, but he can use those stem cells for himself because he's a, you know, a genetic match. It's, it's, it's fascinating to hear some of the anecdotal stories about people that are recovering from, you know, tearing a rotator cuff or, you know, needing hip replacement and instead going with, you know, um, you know, a series of two stem cell injections to repair. I think, I think it's, I think it's fascinating because we, we do, I, I, I think we all want to be able, just like you said, to, to run and jump and do and play into our seventies and eighties. And I, and I don't think. I don't think it's ridiculous to think that that we're going to be able to do that, you know? No, I think it's, I mean, I, I definitely think that, what, I think the uphill battle is, you know, I've tore infraspinatus and supraspinatus and had surgery that, you know, got infected because of the surgery and they had to rebuild it and all that stuff. And I came out okay from it. But if I had the option back then, they said, Greg, we've got this stuff, stem cells, it might work, it might not. I would have taken an injection over them playing my shoulder open any day. Um, but then again, is the hospital going to make as much money? And I, I just feel like we got to make a change in the system so that they can offer a lesser priced injection versus a very, very expensive surgery so that they can make their money. And, um, you know, I think it will go that way. I, I, I think the, the technology right now in PT is really good, but you're right. If, if we can fix the cartilage issue and the inflammation issue and people want to feel like they want to work out even better, you know, like. My mom, you know, she was an athlete, but she stopped working out because her knee started bothering her, you know, and stuff like that. And it's like, if you can 
stop that from happening, most people will be mobile. They'll be active. It's fun to be active, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So. Well, and it's part of, it's, you know, if it's part of your culture, it's part of your reality and like it is for our listeners and obviously for, for, for concept two as a, as a company. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are you, what are you looking forward to? I'm, 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 I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to think, you know, as we sort of get, get toward the home stretch, what, what do you think our people should know? Somebody's going to, somebody's going to win one of these things. And we've given, you know, we've given, uh, we've highlighted some of the benefits and technique and yeah, just get on the thing and just use it, like start using it and don't stand on the, don't stand on the seat and do, you know, scissor <laughs> legs, like <laughs> use it for what it's worth. Um, yeah. what, what's an, what's a good first exercise, um, setting for, for somebody that wants to like, they, they, it looks like fun. They want to go do it. Where should they start? Yeah, I mean, if if they're lucky enough to win this one or to go see one in the gym that they've never used before, um, first thing is just if it's in a gym, you, we have, we do have a damper lever on the side. It goes one to ten. Well, people don't realize it's not like a weight stack. It's not like a ten is going to be heavier than a one. The way that the resistance is made on a rower is by the air getting sucked in. So if it's on a ten and you pull easy, it'll feel easy. And if it's on a one, but you pull hard, it's going to feel hard. It's just, that hard easy is within every damper range. Um, so best thing to do is start in the middle, three, four, five, something like that. And then you're not going to go out of the gate gangbusters. You're going to try just, just sliding up and down the seat and just getting a feel for it. And most people, when they do that, they go, oh, there's no resistance on this machine because they're not pulling hard enough to create that resistance. And so what I'll have somebody do is like do like 10 strokes and each one progressively driving back with a little bit more force. And then instantly the light bulb goes off and they go, okay, I know how this machine works now. Um, and from there, you know, depending on how fit you are to start, you know, something as easy as 10 minutes to 30 minutes of steady state and do, do just like I was talking about before is whatever your time domain is, see how far you go. And the next day, very simple, get on it, try to beat it by one meter, five meters, 10 meters, um, and just keep doing that. And as you try to beat your score, you're inadvertently going to be putting more intensity into rowing. Um, and so you can either do it, you know, doing it that way and then learning the monitor because there are split times on there that will actually stroke for stroke tell you how hard you're rowing. And once you learn those, you can kind of figure out your pacing and things like that. So Excellent. Excellent uh, rowing 101 because that's new to me. That's new to me. You know, yeah. I'm, I, I don't, I don't, I, so Ben has one, obviously has he, Ben has yeah. one at his place and I was over there for the Super Bowl, and I got on it for just a second and uh, just, you know, just started just like you said, just sat down and started to, started to row a little bit. Didn't mess any, I was his and it, and it was, it looked so organized right in his little <laughs> space. I didn't want to start pulling knobs and like yeah. reefing on it. Cause that's my tendency is to just go from zero to a hundred. Yeah. Um, and so I just sort of messed with it for a second and, and, and it was, and it was fun. And I kind of, I kind of got into a, like a little bit of a rhythm and thought, you know what, I, I'm in jeans and a sweater. And I, if I, if I sit on this thing any longer, I'm just going to start working out and, um, I'm gonna start sweating through my clothes. So I'm just going to wait a minute, but it's, it's that flow you talk about. The nice thing is, is that it, it is, it is a rhythmic exercise. And so a lot of people do like the mental part of it being on it. It's, there's a, there's some flow to it, you know, and, um, the sound it makes is a whoosh, whoosh sound yeah. that you're making, 
with the air. And there's something to be said for that rhythmic sound. Um, you know, people do take to the rower just right off the bat. They just, you know, there's something about it that's intriguing to them. And it's not a motion that most people would have ever have done on anything other than a rowing machine, you know? So that's, um, it's, it, they do, they do like it. The skier as well. The skier probably is a little bit easier to just get on and do because you just walk up to it, grab the handles. And, you know, if anyone's ever seen, you know, double pulling or skiing, I mean, oddly enough, there's probably sell more to probably warm weather States than cold weather States, but, um, you know, they, they figure it out pretty quick. And same with the jujitsu guys, they have been using rubber bands in the same way for years before the skier came out. So, right. you know, well, I think that wraps it, man. Um, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on and, and, and sharing your knowledge. And, um, you know, we, as a, as a company, as an organization, we at natural stacks like working with other companies that are that whose heart is in the right spot. And it's so clear to me in the history and the heritage and the way that you guys navigate through this world with integrity. Um, we're stoked to partner on this thing and give this thing away. And, um, I've learned a lot through this episode. Um, where can people learn more information? Should they reach out to you personally? Uh, where should they follow you? Like where, where can people, um, get into the culture? Well, um, concept2.com is the best, best way to go. You know, you can kind of, you can literally learn the culture from the website. It's not very salesy. Like I said, we're not very salesy. Um, and I do listen to the podcast where they have people come on who have products like myself. And I hope this didn't sound too salesy either. Cause that's really not us. Um, but, uh, that's the best way I am on, I'm on Instagram more than anything else. And that's concept to Greg. And that literally is also not a sales thing. Basically you will rarely see pictures of myself on there. I try to promote the people that are using our product. Um, we have a, a amazing community on there that you'll see, at least for mine, we work a lot with adaptive athletes. And so, um, you see a lot of my adaptive buddies on there quite a bit, whether they're skiing from, uh, you know, from their wheelchair or they've modified, they've taken the monorail off the rower and they're rowing from there. Um, there's a fair bit of, um, of CrossFit stuff, motocross action sports, just cause that's a passion of, of mine. Um, you know, you'll see some Conor McGregor stuff maybe on there, you know, it's just a little bit of the things that I like come out of there, but it's not, it's not salesy in any way. You'll, you, you won't necessarily see a lot of stuff about how do I buy a rowing machine, yeah. all that stuff. Go to concept2.com. Um, but more than, by all means, if people enjoy rowing and they're fans of your show and they just want to reach out, um, post up a picture of them on their rowing machine and tag me in it. And, you know, I love watching it and see where everybody is. So dig it. Dig it. Well, that does it for this episode of the OPP. Greg, thanks for coming and joining us on. Yeah, it was awesome, Sean. Thank you very much.